Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. If you and I are going to be useful in the kingdom of God, we have to have compassion for people. You can say, well, I mean, I told them don't get into that thing. And now they wander off and they've gone away from God. And they, for some reason, they've just, I don't know, they've fallen into sin. They got off track. They stopped. I don't know what the reason is, but they're gone. So that's up to them. No, that's not right. The disciples knew well what a sheep and a shepherd did. So Jesus says, I want to remind you, disciples, the value of one human person. Sometimes you may look at another person's life and think, God must love them way more than me. Well, this is far from the truth. Jesus put the same amount of love and effort into rescuing your life from sin as anyone else. Today, Pastor Mark encourages listeners to embrace that same love Christ has for us and give it to others. How are we going to be a proper representation of Him if we don't love like Him? Maybe you've ignored the needs of people around you. Have compassion on the needy and don't be afraid to share the good news of the gospel with all you come in contact with. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part three of his message entitled, Change is Required. You need to know who your children's friends are. You need to understand who they're hanging with. You cannot, as a parent, have a 12-year-old and say to you, you need to go to your room now. It's 1030 at night. Mom and I have rented an R-rated video, and we're going to watch it. You're too young to watch it. You have just begun to destroy the faith of your 12-year-old. It's time to get practical. And let me just say this to you as parents. The greatest way to show that God is real is if you as a husband love your wife as Christ loved the church. Same for grandparents. Not as much trouble because we probably learned that. But if you tear down your spouse in front of your kids, you're destroying your kid's faith that God can make a marriage that's happy. How can we do that? And we counsel people constantly with this. Shape up this morning. Let God make you real in your life. Because you're not only making you miserable, but you're destroying the future of your children. And Jesus said, woe to you. Pastor Mark, I never have an R-rated movie. Wouldn't swear in front of my kid. But some of the things you do destroy their faith. How do I do it differently? When they come home from Sunday school, ask them what they studied. Don't just go, nice picture. Sit down with them. Spend some time. Turn the television off. And say to your kids, what'd you learn? By the way, 
you might learn something really good from them. Do you know that? Because they're learning the Bible. Man, it's awesome. Spend time with them. Invest in them. Jesus says, woe to you. So Jesus goes on and, well, he kind of gives us, he, he says, don't be this stumbling stone. Not just to children. Remember, this children means all Christians. So here's something you want to write down. It applies to you and me, and I don't have time to go into it today, but it means this. A humble Christian is a stepping stone and not a stumbling block. You see, if, if, if I treat my spouse wrong, I'm stumbling my kids. Let's stay in the church. Let me give you an example. Romans 14 tells us that there's a lot of gray areas in life. Some black, some white, some things you can do, some you can't do. And we all have different backgrounds. I, I came from a background that pretty much when you became a member of this church, you had to sign this card. Everything was, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. How many remember those cards? You remember those cards? I don't know how we got out of that. Hallelujah. Because that's not what Christianity is about. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Because you watched all those people that were miserable their whole life. See, Christianity is really, I do, isn't it? It's abundant life. It's not horrible. It's great. But what do I do with these gray areas? Let me just give you a clue this morning. As an adult, as a pastor, I have to be very careful. I can stumble people in things that really don't matter. It's not a big issue, but for them it is. So Linda and I, the other pastors, the elders, we take the higher road. In many things, we just don't do these kind of things just so I won't stumble somebody. That is humble. See, Pastor Mark, I'm not going to think about anybody else stumbling them. Forget it. I'm free. That's pride. Because all you're thinking about is yourself. No, I have a responsibility. Remember what Jesus said last week? He said, do I owe the money? No, I don't owe the money. But not to stumble them. We're going to pay the money. Do you got it? That's a mature Christian. Now, as you look at that, and again, I don't have time to go there. Just understand, if I cause another Christian to stumble, that's a serious thing. Now, I'm not going to be perfect, but God says to me, <clears throat> no, don't cause them to stumble. Do something different. Look on the overhead, Hebrews 10, 24. I love this verse. I think this is so exciting because you guys are good at it. And I try to be good at it. Instead of stumbling Christians, instead of trying to get over and say, well, is this really right? Is this really wrong? I'm forget that stuff. It's, it's minor. Just go and do the major deals. I want you to read this verse with me. Here we go. Let us think of ways to... All right, you got you to put a little emphasis on motivate when you get there, okay? So here we are again. Let us think of motivate people. That motivated me a lot to make you say it again. All right, here we go. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So instead of trying to think only about me, notice who I'm thinking about. Others. How can I motivate you to do better with God? That's my goal. Jesus said to his disciples, woe to you. Well, they're going to feel better about that? Yeah, after, because they're going to be teachable. So say, Pastor Mike, I don't have time to sit with my kid. Make time. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Now, as you see that, you guys are doing good. We come to our fourth kind of character trait. It's a strange one moving from humility, but the fourth character trait is self-discipline. 
already we don't like the word discipline. We like the word self, but we don't like it when we put it together. Look what Jesus says, and I'm going to ask you to circle a couple things in verse 8. If, circle this, your hand or your foot causes, circle this, you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal, into the eternal what? Fire. Verse 9. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of what? Hell. See to it that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. So Jesus gives us another, he's talking to his disciples. And he says, not only do you have to enter heaven, but if you're going to be useful in the kingdom, you're going to have to have some self-discipline. And he he uses this illustration that you and I have to be disciplined enough to remove the source of temptation in my life that would cause me to sin. This isn't about somebody else now. Not woe to me that I'm causing this child to sin or another Christian to sin. This is me. This is self-discipline. Jesus says here, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Well, let me ask you a question. Can a blind man or a blind woman lust? Can they? Well, sure they can. So we already know that Jesus hasn't got like this extreme makeover. We're going to chop hands and arms. and what, It's like CSI image deal here. What's that Christian over there? No arms, no hands, no eyes. Great Christian. Really good. Took care of the sin problem. <laughs> yeah, right. Sure. Would they take care of the sin problem? By the way, let me ask you a question. You cut off your arms, you cut off your legs, you cut off your ears, you cut off your eyes, and you cut off your tongue. Would take care of the sin problem? No, what would take care of the sin problem? Cut out your heart. Because <laughs> it's a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of the eyes. So Jesus isn't talking about this manipulation or mutilation of people. He's saying to his disciples, hey, the problem is not your eyes, your hands, your feet. It's your heart. Colossians says this, put to death, you put to death, therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is up because the wrath of God is coming. Now here's what happens. As we're going through life because of the way the world is, being squeezed into its mold, every one of us in this room takes sin too lightly. And I got a great book I'm reading that I'll, I'm going to deal with you later. See, much of the time, all we talk about sin is things that we shouldn't do. And that is true. These are the ones we're talking about this morning. I have a whole new thing, and I don't know when I'm going to work it in, but God's dealing with me because I'm reading an interesting book. Much of the sin that's in our lives is things we should do, but we don't. Not just things that we shouldn't do and we do, but things we should do and we don't. I mentioned one a while ago, challenge for me as a husband. I should love my wife as I love the church. See, that's something I should do. Now, if I don't do that, eh, so what? No, no, whoa, 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 whoa. No, that's a sin just as much as if I would commit adultery on my wife. You see, we have this thing, if, if it's bad and I do it, it's a sin, but if it's good and I'm supposed to do it and I don't do it, no big deal. No, that's not true. So understand here, Jesus takes sin seriously in my life. 
Because what is the outcome if I don't take care of sin in my life? It had the word fire around it twice. Notice the statement you want to write. It's stupid to write it, but it makes a lot of sense. Hell is real. Heaven's real. We learned that. Jesus says, hell is real. I don't want to go to hell. You don't want to go to hell. Well, what do I have to do? Well, I have to, I have, to have some self-discipline in my life. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Well, how do I do that? Pastor Mark, how do I have this self-discipline then? Well, let me show you one area, and I'm going to give you four keys. You don't need to ram down. But look, notice this next verse. You'll find it in the book of Hebrews. And I've shortened it because it's only the area that I want to focus on. Hebrews 12.1 says this. Let us, talking to Christians, strip off every weight that slows us down. So there are some things in my life that aren't sins, but I should get rid of them because it's not effective in my life. It's not a sin, but it weighs me down. If I'm going to be effective, I've got to get rid of it. But then here's areas that I've got to deal with drastically. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin. In other words, there's a tendency in your life and my life, we have an area that's weak. You know what it is. I know what it is. I have more than one. You have more than one. But I know one that can get me in trouble. I have to, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, I have to strip it off. I have to cut it away. I have to get rid of it. And then let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now, realistically, for the disciples, what's the sin Jesus is addressing right here? Pride. Who's going to be the greatest, man? Who's going to be great? I'm the true man. I'm the guy. Jesus says, what's up with that? Do you see me doing that? What's up with that? So, you say, how can I get rid of it? How can I strip it off? How do I cut it off, Jesus says in verse 8? Number one, realize Without God, our hearts are evil. And my everyday temptation is a challenge to me. Number two, realize the importance of accountability and openness. One is accountability. The second is openness. Now, I have accountability partners. They're the elders. I have a personal accountability partner. It's another pastor, Pastor Carl Dixon from Sarasota. Now, I can be accountable to them. But if I'm not open to them, I'm going to fall. Do you understand what I just said? You can be accountable all you want. By the way, first you need to be accountable to God and open to him. Second, to your spouse. But then third, to some spiritual person, a man, a man, a woman, a woman. So somewhere in this process, and I can't judge, I'm not trying to judge, what broke down? It probably was not the accountability. I'm assuming he was accountable to a lot of people. He opened his life to him, But he didn't open it cleanly. To them. Now, why didn't he? One sin, pride. Jesus said, unless you become humble like a little child, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. So I have to find ways to watch for the temptation that gets me down the wrong path. Let me give a stupid example. Let's say you have trouble with pornography. Would it be wise for you when the spring edition of Sports Illustrated comes out with the swimsuit edition. Would it be wise for you to go and buy that article? Because you love, you never look at the pictures, you only read the articles. <laughs> Dummy. You're one taco short of a combination plate. 
See, we laugh, but what do we do? The very same thing. So we have to, notice, you can't cut it out for me. I have to deal with it. Now I need help, and of course I need God's help. You say, is God there? Absolutely. Look at Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire, the desire to change, and the power to change, to do what pleases him. So God is at work in my life. I can say no to sin. I want to ask you a very important question this morning. As I've been teaching, is there something in your life, watch me, is there something in your life this morning that God wants you to cut off? Is there something that you have to cut off in your life? So you can't go home and cut out something. It's the cutting out of the parts in your heart. And God's speaking to some of you this morning. Jesus says, you cut it out. Pastor Mark's been in my life, my whole life. That's the kind of person I am. Cut it out. God will give you the ability to cut it out. You can't be an ugly person. It controls you. You can't be useful. It weighs you down. You'll never accomplish what God wants. Well, in verse 11 through 14, we have the, the fifth character trait. Look at verse 12. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away? This is Jesus speaking. So what do we have? Watch me. Look at me. Jesus said, careful, if you sin, you walk away. So what do we have? We have an illustration of a believer who sins and walks away from God. His heart becomes hard. Her heart becomes hard. So what Jesus is saying to his disciples is, now when you take over the kingdom, there's going to be people that sit around you. They're next to you. They're following God. But pretty soon that sin, they didn't take care of it, and they walk away from God. So Jesus says, what are you going to do with that person? You're just going to leave them walk? You're just going to leave them go? Notice what he says. He's asking this question. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wonders, will he not? Here's the answer. Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go and look for the one that wandered off? Well, the answer to that is obviously yes. So what's the fifth character trait? Compassion. If you and I are going to be useful in the kingdom of God, we have to have compassion for people. You can say, well, I mean, I told them don't get into that thing, and now they wander off, and they've gone away from God, and they, for some reason, they've just, I don't know, they've fallen into sin, they got off track, they stopped, I don't know what the reason is, but they're gone, so that's up to them. No, that's not right. The disciples knew well what a sheep and a shepherd did. So Jesus says, I want to remind you, disciples, the value of one human person. They're valuable. So Jesus said, the shepherd will go after him. You can't be prideful and look down at him and go, I'm not going to waste my time at that person. No, they're discouraged. Satan's lied to them. They feel hurt. They need to know they're cared for. And there's an eternal outcome. So Jesus says, you got to be humble and you got to be filled with compassion and you got to go after them with the goal of restoration. Let me challenge you this morning. In our lives... If you've been coming to this church for any length of time or another church, wherever you were part of, you know people today who used to walk with God, but somehow they got sidetracked. They no longer, they don't study the Bible, they don't come here, they don't work, they used to worship with you in a Bible study with you. They're no longer even serving God. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do this week. I'm very serious about this. 
You pray for God to open a door where you can meet them, talk with them, and you can just encourage them. See, God's heart is for the lost. He says he'll leave 99 healthy sheep. By the way, Jesus doesn't do this. Here, 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 here are all you sheep here in the mountain. Jesus says, hey, fend for yourself. I think the wolves will get you, but I got to go take care of this one. See ya. No, he doesn't do that because he leaves under shepherds to take care of all of you. And when he goes off, he looks for this sheep because his goal is restoration. Why? Because, listen, heaven is real and hell is real. So he goes after them. Now, if I'm going to be like Christ, I have to go after him. I have to be a man of compassion. You pray this week that God will open a door and you can, you can talk to them and get them back into, well, look at verse 13 because it's very interesting. And as he goes to find the sheep, if he finds it, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, he's happier about that one sheep than the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, or any Christian, any of them be lost. Remember 2 Peter 3, 9? He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So here's our last change point. Change is required to be restored in the kingdom of heaven. To be restored. Notice, when the shepherd finds the one sheep that's wandered, that sheep can run the other direction even if the shepherd calls. That means I have to want to be restored. When you call that person, meet them, write them, have a lunch with them, have a cup of coffee with them, when you talk with them, you can't force them to come. But you can pray that they will come. We have to pray because only God can open their eyes. You see, God has compassion and it brought great joy when this person came home. This morning we learned about this. If you want to get into the kingdom of heaven, you have to change. You have to be born again. Once you're in the kingdom, change is always required because I got to be like him. I got to be humble. I got to be self-disciplined. I got to run the race with patience. We gave you application. Third, if people get off the race, they get sidelined, they get distracted, they get discouraged, they get hurt in the church, whatever reason, the enemy wants to take them farther and farther away. No, we are to be men and women of compassion and go after them. Pray them back into the kingdom. This morning, I'm going to pray for you. Some of you are in this room. If you would die now, you wouldn't go to heaven because you never asked Jesus Christ into your life. You see, you have to change. Change is required. You just can't say, well, I'm just going to mosey into heaven. No, there has to be a day when you say, God, I want you to come into my life. I know my sin is ugly. I believe in you. I trust in you. And I'm going to depend on your work on the cross. Today, Pastor Mark delivered a passionate message on being restored in the kingdom of God. There is a change that must take place in the lives of many believers, one that involves increased self-discipline and compassion for others. As you begin to implement these changes on a regular basis, the fruit will begin to show in your life and affect those around you. Don't wait another day to restore your role as a follower of Christ. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Have you ever wondered the proper way to handle conflict? Or maybe when problems arise in your relationships with others, you feel like they will never end. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will help listeners establish and maintain healthy relationships with others. Conflict within a church can cause division, and the first steps towards healing are always to humbly reflect on how you might be wronging another. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a hurry.